leader can possibly make. Then I invented some I don't believe ever before existed on the face of the earth. But every mistake became a lesson learned, and very often these hard-earned lessons prompted valuable conversations with other leaders. I began to see that certain patterns surround outstanding leadership. I noted, for example, how often the leaders I most admired are each widely known for their strong, highly regarded character. That's not to say that they are stodgy, unimaginative, play-it-by-the-book kinds of people. In fact, most are quite honest about their struggles in ministry and with the wars of leadership. Yes, they have impeccable integrity, but they also make me laugh. They not only wow me with their individuality and spontaneity, they impress me with their meticulous honesty and forthrightness. They struggle and worry about their kids. While they're committed to their marriages, at times they feel lonely and need more support from their spouses. They are real, human, fully alive, and beautiful people. Too often, leaders suppress such openness. What they are allowed to say from the platform or in conversation with others is narrowed down to the expected and tolerated, and all else must be hidden or denied. Such limitations create a degree of being two-faced, one face public, the other private. At times that hypocrisy is even internalized. When this happens, when we deny the parts of ourselves that would cause disruption if they were seen or acknowledged in polite company, we are on shaky ground, because no one can live long with such disparity without a loss of integrity. No one is immune to the public-private face war. Sometimes the face we present in public requires immense courage. Other times, the public face is an indication of great cowardice. Are you aware of when you've been courageous or cowardly? I pray that by reading and then reflecting on this material, you'll be encouraged to consider both possibilities. Eventually, I came to realize that leadership is all about character, and that the Christian leader, no matter what he or she oversees, has the opportunity to be a leading character, an example, a living representation of the power of the resurrection and the privilege of the fellowship created by sharing in Christ's suffering. We demonstrate what it means to be a leading character by living this reality before those who are part of our organizations. We communicate our vision and strategies. We support and affirm our employees. We strengthen successful programs. We scrap processes that are no longer effective and far, far more. But never should we do these things without making Christ known through word and deed. The primary focus is not what we speak, but how we live. We are to have a character that invites others to see the goodness of Christ and to be a character that intrigues and compels others to discover what it means to be forgiven and set free to live with passion and joy. In short, the most effective leaders invariably embrace two fundamentals in this regard. The first is to have a character the second is to be a character. Have a character. 
Say the word character and a dozen associations come to mind. There are character witnesses and character actors. We live in a culture all too familiar with character assassination. And we're intuitively aware of whether the behavior displayed by someone we know is in character or out of character. Primarily, though, we associate the presence of character with virtues, including honesty, courage, and truthfulness. Few compliments are more valued than to be regarded as a person of outstanding character. Everyone would agree that a leader's character is a key component of a leader's effectiveness. Our character reflects our Creator. We are made in the image of God, and the nature of God's personhood is woven into the deepest fabric of our being. To understand our character, we must begin with a glimpse of God's character. God's character.